Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend and co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you as always, as we get to tackle another episode, another challenge, another way to share with our listeners on how to live eyes up. And this particular episode is going to come at you high energy, high emotion, um, a lot some, of, yeah. I did some push-ups and drank some coffee before because I knew I had to bring it and I still don't think I matched the energy that was brought. Our guest today was Evan Money, an unbelievable conversation that pushed us outside of our comfort zone about what our mindset is around a lot of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. And it was convicting. It was convicting. And he said, I'm encouraged, you know, because I know that you're going to take up this mantle. And that in itself is the call that we're going to have for you guys all the time. If you're out there listening and engaging with our stuff in this conversation, particularly like take something and take action as a result of it, because that's our call. After talking to Evan, that's our personal call. Do the work, take the action, paddle together, whatever it might be. But the call is simple. Act. Evan Money. Evan Money, thanks for joining the Eyes Up Mindset podcast today. It is our pleasure to have you excited for our conversation. I am beyond excited and I'm whistling while I work here, as Jamie can attest to. So I'm ready to go. I love it. I, John kind of briefed me on your guys' conversation. You picked up and I was just excited because he's like high energy, high motivation, like exactly the type of people we love to engage with because they, they grow us. So um, you do some awesome stuff. You want to just briefly tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do so my, our, our listeners can kind of get an idea of this. Well, I know you guys have an extensive reach and an exciting audience. And what I've discovered is that, you know, if you want to impress people, you talk about all the cool stuff you've done. If you want to connect with people, you talk about your failures. So I'll lead with, I am a product of a normal dysfunctional family. Uh, As you can see, this really is my real hair and money really is my last name. And although it was in name only, that's for sure. And my beautiful bride was unashamed to marry money. So I was very proud of her for that. Again, she thought there was a little bit, but actually (laughs) much at all. But I will just share with the listeners that the biggest room in my house is the room for improvement. And that simple truth is that it will always be that way, regardless of the next beautiful big mansion I buy or beach house or whatever I go to. The biggest room in my house is always going to be the room for improvement. So for me, it's all about lifelong growth and you know if people really want to see the accolades and all that stuff they can go look online but as a visionary add entrepreneur we've done a lot of things we've made a lot of what some people call mistakes i don't consider it a mistake or a failure unless you if you did it's only a mistake or a failure if you don't learn something so i have Other than my normal honorary PhD, I have other PhDs in construction. I have PhDs of learning lessons in real estate. I have a PhD in the car business because I equate 
how much money I lost to what that would cost in higher education. So I have a wall full of degrees on all these learning lessons that I have had in the, the business area. So that's a little bit about me. So one of the things, so we got connected to you from a previous guest, Nate Bailey. And, um, oh, Nate's so, the man. He is. And if you haven't listened to the episode, go listen to it. It's out already. But, you know, he connected with us because he said, you know, you and you guys and Evan have a similar goal in life is it's about getting better. You just said the biggest room in my house is room for improvement. How do I get better every day? The thing. And then when I started to research you, it's like, oh, this guy and his wife get married every year in a different place or different country or different thing. Oh, don't forget the honeymoons, John. Don't discount the honeymoons. Come on now. And the honeymoon every year, at least one, right? That's right. So tell us a little bit about that goal and kind of how that came about. Uh, that was birthed, again, out of our normal dysfunctional families. That was birthed out of pain. That was birthed out of me looking around in my early 20s and looking through my life growing up in Southern California. And I used to think it was just the Southern California thing, John, but I think it's worldwide. But all I saw when it came to a marriage relationship were three options. So you could be either married and miserable, and I saw lots of that. And what I didn't see in person, I got to see on TV as well. I saw your other option, you could be divorced and desperate. So that's your second option. And my parents magnified that, both getting remarried multiple times and just looking around. And then the third option was you could be single and cynical. And that's what I was surrounded with, with, hey, let's go to the club, let's go to the bar, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever, da, da, da. And I literally said, I had my, um, my more, not my morphous, my Neo moment, hearkening back uh, to the classic Matrix, where I was like, I, I refuse, I refuse to live this way. Give me the red pill, the blue pill, whatever color the, the pill is to get me out of here. And I realized, like, okay, I, and it wasn't, I think for me as a rebel, rebel entrepreneur, I just did it out of pure rebellion. Like I'm gonna be happy just to rebel against this system of these other options. And so my bride and I, even before we got married, we were like, hey, we're gonna live happily ever after. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it. And we don't know what it looks like, but we're not gonna end up like either of our parents or like everything else we see. And I think a lot of couples start that way and I realized that, hey, we're going to need some help. We're going to need to be growing together. So my bride and I are at this dream big seminar. That was the big pitch, dream big. And so my bride got caught up in the dream big part. And she looks at me like halfway through the session and goes, I got it. Let's get remarried in a different state or country every year. And I'm going, what? You want to do what? But on the outside, I'm going, huh? Okay. Yeah, honey. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm freaking out because again, money and name only. We're the ones putting the grocery, we're the ones holding up the, the line at the grocery store, putting the food back, because we can't even pay for groceries, let alone pay for a, a full tank of gas. I remember the first time my bride accidentally filled up the gas tank, I hit the ceiling. I'm like, what are you doing? That's our, you know, that's, that's our grocery money. Stop it. Um, so that's where we came from. And she wants to get remarried in a different state or country. Um, we had to beg, borrow, steal, whatever, parents, everything, just to get our first wedding off the ground. And she wants to do it again. I'm just like, okay. But then I thought about it and I was like, okay. Uh, my first mentor, Jim Rohn, taught me, you know, you can either find a way or you can find an excuse. And I was like, okay, I'm not making an excuse. And then I realized, hey, if we get married, that's going to be another honeymoon. 
I want to do that again. So that's where my mind went. Instead of like, I can't afford it. Life sucks. I said, okay, I got to figure out how to do another honeymoon. So the, the biggest my thinking could get to, again, fully tattling on myself, was the, the biggest grandest I could come up with is, okay, we live in Southern California. I was like, okay, state or country, what could we do? I was like, oh, Tijuana, Mexico, wedding destination capital of the world. Yes. For those that don't know Tijuana, it is filled with glitz and glamour. And yeah, right. Um, it was just a place you could do things cheap. So my mindset was we're going to buy a $10 dress. We're going to go the steps of some old rundown Catholic church and figure something out. And lo and behold, before that uh, uh, you know, epic event took place, we ended up winning an all expense paid trip to Paris, France for two weeks. And our first wedding renewal was at the Palace of Versailles, John and Jamie. And if you don't get out that much, I had no clue what it was. You know, it's 700,000 square feet of awesomeness. And that's bigger than Costco, for those that are listening. And we got married in the gardens of this epic castle estate where my mind was blown of just like, okay, the lobby of this house is bigger than, you know, any mansion I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was incredible. And that was just God giving me an example of going, look, let me help you. Let me, let, let's, you know, get past your limited mindset. Let me help you get out of your own way. And here's what's possible. And so that kind of set the tone. And as we look back, I just, we just got back from wedding number 27. You know, we didn't win a trip every year. So we got creative. So the first 10 years we had zero money. So I was like, how can we get creative? How can we make it work? What? And something always opened up. Something always happened. We had some of the fondest memories of people wanting to help us out and hey you can get married at our house and hey my friend's got a private estate over here and you can do this and do that and it was so awesome and then when I finally started making money it was like oh I can finally spend some money Woohoo! let's go here let's do this let's do this so <laughs> we've had big events small events medium events but it that just being in that mindset we'll go back to Tony Robbins 101 of states, right? Talks about what state are you in, right? So my bride are in one of two states all the time is being married. We're either in a post honeymoon bliss, which I'm in right now, woohoo, thank you. Um, or we're in a, ooh, where's the next exciting trip gonna be? Ooh, where do we get to go next? How are we gonna plan it? How are we gonna do it? What's the theme gonna be? So I'm in one of those two states. So I'm never, you know, in this state of, oh, my marriage sucks, or how come she's not doing this? Or if she would just do this, then I would do that. We've never transgressed to that point because we're always in this honeymoon bliss state or where's the next adventure going to be? And that has carried forward for over 27 marriages now. You and John were talking and you said something that really stuck with me. It's like you didn't see the model in the world that you wanted for marriage. And you talked about the three types of marriage that you saw. And so much of our state or our mindset or our vision of what's possible is based on what we've seen and what we've, what we know and experience. And for me personally, like I, I relate to some of what you're talking about. My parents are still together, but it wasn't, you know, small town, Minnesota, nothing special about it. And there were challenges beyond measure. And to me, my first real example of what a marriage could look like was John and Hannah. John and his wife and, and seeing what it meant for them at 21, 22, as they first got married and I was living with them <laughs> to go through, to go through arguments or discussions, right? Instead of it having to be somebody goes to one corner and somebody goes to the other corner and understanding that actually this is what marriage could look like. 
And so for that, I'm forever grateful mm. to them because it, it opened my mind to the possibility of something different because I was, I was in that place where there was one of the, one of three options, right? You could be married and unhappy, divorced and desperate or single and cynical. And I was just like, that's all. And then somebody showed me that that wasn't all. And how do you talk about being that model, that model of leadership to there's something else out there? Yeah, that was a mantle we didn't really pursue at all. It was more about self-preservation and just about, hey, this is for us. And the more we talked about it, people were just like, really? Wow, that's cool. Oh my gosh, what I? oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. And I'm like, that's the last book I want to write. Uh, let me write about all these other things instead. And so it's interesting that, so my bride and I tried to keep it under wraps for a while. And then it really hit big when I brought my, for a gift, we made a website just so we could keep track of them all. Because it was always like, okay, what number was this? And where were we here? So I'm like, okay, we'll get this website. We'll put it on here. And the website really was just for her. And then people started finding it. People started asking questions. And next thing you know, uh, here's kind of my tale of the whirlwind. You know you're famous when, right? When you make it to the British tabloids. So when you can see yourself in the British tabloids, you know, you know you've made it. So we made like a full page spread. You know, I still have it on the cover. It's like Adele giving somebody the bird and then the aliens ate my baby. And then, you know, <laughs> there's a, we had this two page spread inside. Like, here's this crazy couple that gets married every year. And this story went around the world. And I was like, wow, I, I still hadn't figured it out, right? That people need an example. But we realized we could be a light. We could be an inspiration. We could just let them know that it's possible. And we felt totally underqualified. We're just like, look, this, you know, who wants to hear from us? Da, da, da. Finally, 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 we were like, okay, we'll write a book. And we had the greatest joy of writing it together. And it was such a blast. I mean, I, I had written a few other bestsellers, but my bride was just like, does anyone ever let him read what I have to say? And I'm like, trust me, they're tired of listening to me. They want to hear from you. And so we put the book out and that became a bestseller and that was a whirlwind and that was exciting. And now it's about, okay, how do we get this out more? And as a guy, not get caught up in the ego side of, hey, look at me and look at this and da, da, da. More of it's just like, hey, look at the possibility. Look at what you can do. And so that's really kind of getting off the results. Like the other part was we would get frustrated that people would come to us and we would do marriage seminars for a long time. People would come to us, oh, how do you do this? How do you do this? And we'd give them all this great information, but then they wouldn't do it. And we're like, well, what are you doing, right? You have all the tools, what's wrong with you? So then we realized like, hey, let's just, let's, let's depersonalize ourselves and just say, hey, we'll just champion the hope, champion the cause, and we'll continue to do what we call lifestyle ministry, which is just, we're going to continue to grow each and every day and let others do whatever they want to do with it. And some people are inspired and just go back to doing the same thing. Other people actually change, but it took us a while to get off of the results. Like we're not valuable unless we're getting these results. And it was like, no, we can just be the best us. And so we're now fully in that lifestyle uh, ministry of just, we're just going to live our life, be the best that we can be. And for those that want to latch on and really want to grow, we're going to help. And for those that just want to say, oh yeah, cool. I read your book when they really didn't, we're okay with that too. What a cool gift. I, I think that's something that even Jamie and I talk about almost daily is 
how do we stop focusing on the results? And that's, I mean, we work a lot with athletes and teams and that's exactly what we're trying to get them to do is say, focus on the process. What is the journey? What are the steps that get you to happily ever after get you to being successful and, and then let people interact with it and engage with it. However they engage with it you know, do the best version of you. And I think that's a good challenge for everybody is like, how do we wake up every day and be the best version of ourself to be an example for other people out there as the model that, so a couple of things, I want to go back all the way to Tijuana. Um, Cause <laughs> we all want to go back. All to go back to <laughs> <laughs> all roads lead back to TJ. Okay. No, but I, I think you said a really cool thing there where you're like, you know, we didn't really know what we were going to do. I had this idea. We're going to buy a $10 dress and we're going to do it at some public place and it's going to be, you know, the first step. But I think that's, that is what holds people back sometimes is they think it has to be Paris. It has to be, you know, um, Versailles, Lambeau field, you know, some of those other places that you've been, well, it doesn't have to be, it has to be go put yourself out there and doors will open, which is kind of what you said. Yeah. And I, who says it the best actually is, well, I've, I've got a few, I've, I've got my version, which is take action and the world is yours. Because if you look at, you know, from a, you know, you guys high performance and coaching and teams and da, 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 whatever the goal is, whether it's, Hey, I want, you know, net worth or, Hey, I want happiness in my family or we want to win this many games or I want to do this, whatever the goal is finite, infinite, doesn't matter there's only one thing that's separating you from that goal. And that's action. That, that's it. That's all it is, is action. And I tell people this all the time. I and mean, we all have a $10 billion shower in our house. People scratch their head. They go, oh, you haven't seen my shower, man. It's just filled <laughs> with mildew and it's tiny and this little thing. It's like, everyone listening to this podcast has got an incredible idea in the shower. And sadly, most of us just leave it in the shower. And we could go back and they're still there and other people have acted on it, but we have it. And so it really is action is the only thing that separates it. And then one of my mentors who was uh, nice enough to come speak at one of our events we just had, but Bob Proctor, and I love Bob because here's a guy in his mid eighties, who's got more energy than I do. And it's just like, wow, I need to pick up my game. Bob's talking here. He's full of energy. But Bob says it the best. He says, you don't have to know how it's gonna happen. You don't have to know how you're gonna do it. You just have to know that you're gonna do it. And I was like, and I kind of reversed engineered some of my past success. I was like, he's absolutely right. All my great successes from my first movie to my businesses, to all the stuff, I had no clue how I was gonna do it. I just knew it was like, hey, we're gonna make a movie. Hey, we're gonna start a business. Hey, we're gonna do this. Hey, I'm gonna have an amazing marriage. No clue how. And I think too often people get paralyzed with the how rather than just, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this and we're going to figure it out along the way. And there are some things in life, this is a super deep, like deep dive. We may lose some of the listeners, but I think there's this concept of people not exploring their faith or exploring growth because they say, oh, well, you know, as soon as I grow, then I'll get to that. Or the classic, right? Well, as soon as I become a leader, I'll, lead a re I'll start reading those leadership books. Yeah, you know. Um, and it's more about understanding that there's some things that are lifelong. And, you know, in a simple way, it's like taking a shower, right? You're never going to master showering. <laughs> Doesn't, don't care how transcendent you are. Yeah, I've transcended bathing. No, you haven't. You stink, dude. Go take a shower. Um, 
So understanding there's certain things that are just every day you're going to be doing that. And so enjoying that process. And that was for me, like with the scriptures, you know, I love diving in the scriptures. My bride and I, one, one tip for all those folks at home, your marriage is in trouble if you have a screen in your bedroom, whether it's a TV or phones, you are guaranteeing yourself a marriage of pain and problems if you have screens in your bedroom. If there's screens in your bedroom, you have pain and problems and they're only gonna get worse because the first thing you wake up to is this, okay? You're inundated with the world instantly. So for me, I love diving into something more wholesome. I love diving into wisdom. I love diving into truth. So first thing I pick up is the ancient scriptures. And I remember I was lamenting. I was actually feeling sorry for myself. What was me tail between my legs at the lack of progress I was having? Because for me, I love getting from instead of getting through. Like to me in the, in the Western religion, they talk about, oh yeah, I read the Bible in a year. Ha ha ha. And it's like, well, that's just getting through it. What, what did you get from it? And so I was lamenting the fact that I was in the book of Psalms for like three months. It wasn't making much progress. <laughs> and finally, God kind of gave me this download. And he said, you know, is there ever going to be a time where you're not going to be reading from this book? And I was like, no, man, I love this. I love reading in the morning. I love reading at night. It's a great opening and closure. He's like, then what's your hurry? What's the rate? Who are you racing? I was like, oh, it's a good idea. And he's like, this isn't a book. This is a lifestyle. And I was like, oh. So now I'm starting to try to race through it and finish the chapter and checking out as men. We're mission driven, right? It's all about the mission. You know, check it off the list, finish it. You know, A to B, get the mission. You know, the, the greatest two genres are action, adventure, and romance, right? For the men, it's the mission, right? Oh, the mission. And then we'll make the same movie 200 times with the same mission, right? Okay, you know, <laughs> whatever, part six, same mission, same movie. Uh, and for the gals, it's, it's the story of the romance, right? Boy meets girl, right? It never gets old, right? So as those mission-driven people, we get caught up in that rather than the lifestyle of it, of saying, hey, this lifestyle of growing rather than the lifestyle of achieving. So long answer, short question, but I appreciate you listening. How do we, going to go deep again here, like how do you embrace lifestyle? How do you embrace the fact that this is something I'm going to be doing every day? This is something I want to be a part of my every day when the suck happens, when the, <laughs> this thing is really challenging. And maybe you could give an example, even from your marriage, because I think people hold up your marriage and say, this is something that I want to be and do and like try and do this thing. But we all have a marriage that is real. It's not this thing that is held up by everybody else. We have communication struggles. We have frustrations. We have disappointments. Like, and then that thing comes and you start to distance yourself from the lifestyle goal that you have because the emotion takes over. How do we, how do we move beyond the emotion of the frustration, disappointment, lack of communication, whatever it might be, into actually my goal is much bigger and I'm going to stay in the battle, the fight, the mission right, of the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so many levels to that. And that's probably like a week, that's a week long course. Okay. <laughs> that we could teach, but it's like, okay, how do we dial it in and, and get it right in? So I, again, there, as I teach about lifestyle goals, all of this has been reverse engineered. So I wasn't teaching about this stuff 10 years ago, five years ago. I had no clue. It was one of these things where I figured like, okay, how can we help others get to where we are? And like my bride says, she's I just want other people to have what we have. So it's like, okay, people can have what we have if they, you know, 
well, what did we do, right? How did we get here? So I look back and I'm like, okay, the, the earlier I made the lifestyle goals, the less challenges I had. And it goes back to the greatest coach in the world, not Phil Jackson, but let's talk about John Wooden, right? We can all agree, you know, John Wooden, right? And John says it the best, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare, okay? So going to you, Jamie, when the emotion comes, it's too late, okay? When I'm sexually aroused, okay, by porn or whatever, it's too late to go, huh, yeah, should I look at porn or not? Um, when I'm, you know, triggered by my wife, something she says, right, and right, it's too late to go, ah, oh, yeah, should I react or respond here? Oh, yeah, let me, let me think about what John and Jamie taught me. About. No, it's too late then. It, it's, it's already too late. So for me, blessedly, I haven't had to struggle with porn because I realized I set early on, we had a lifestyle goal of we're going to live happily ever after. So automatically, when something pops up on the screen, it's like, ooh, get away. Because instinctively, that is taking me the opposite place I want to go. Just like in sports. And I know you guys are doing basketball, tennis, you're doing all these sports. But let's look at the NBA finals, right? If the ball swings to me and I go, oh, I got the ball. Uh, do I pass to LeBron cutting? Do I throw it to AD at the top of the key? Do, maybe I should dribble. Should I shoot, right? right? It has to be instinct, right? It, it's too late when it happens. So it's how do we get ahead of it and prepare because by the time it comes to the argument, it's too late, right? So to this day, and this isn't like putting us on a pedestal and all this stuff, I'm just sharing you about the, the fact of how powerful lifestyle goals are. My bride and I have never had an argument because we respect each other too much to even raise our voice at each other. Well, how did you get to that point? Well, because we had a lifestyle goal of living happily ever after. Now, full transparency, you wanna come to my house and hear me hit the ceiling? Watch my kids do something to trigger me. And it's like, bah! And, I'm, and so I am now learning, like, I did not set a lifestyle goal to not yell at my kids. So that is my last bastion is we have two teenagers in the house. And there are a lot of triggers for me with these teenagers. And it's just like, oh! and I'm like, okay, I got to get past this because I'm good. My bride and I, we are awesome. But when my kids trigger me, it's like, so I was like, all right. So my new lifestyle goal with my young adults is a lifestyle of responding patiently. So when my 17 year old does some numbskull thing, it's like, uh, okay, wait a minute, I'm gonna respond with patience. Cause when you respond, you keep control. When you react, you're out of control, right? So it's about how do I respond? So it's understanding like, okay, with my son, it's like, hmm. So what I've been able to do now, instead of yelling at my son, which doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work, I help my son realize like, hey son, these are areas that you're gonna need to hire later on in life because it's clear that these are your weaknesses. So let's focus on your strengths here. So these are your strengths. So I went from yelling at my son to take out the trash because that's one of his responsibilities to, hey son, let's go take out the trash. Hey son, let's go clean up after this project. Instead of, I can't believe you, look at these greasy fingerprints everywhere. It's, it's understanding that, okay, how can I hold space for him and realize like, hey, these are areas that you're gonna need to hire and your strengths are over here. So again, short fuse with the kids, never an argue with my bride because I had a lifestyle goal with my bride and I didn't have one with my kids. So let's take people where they're at right now. Okay, that's great for you, Ev, but for me, me and my bride are, it's like, okay, so let's get that lifestyle goal. Of what is it that you really want?
And if you're focusing on that lifestyle goal, the second there's an opportunity to get triggered, the ball's already passed. You've already breathed. He's already like, oh, okay, we're past that. Okay. Instead of this eh, nonsense. So another lifestyle goal, because I have lifestyle goals in all areas. So there's relationships, you know, it's my marriage. There's my health. Okay. So for me, I want a lifestyle of supreme health. That's a lifestyle goal. Lifestyle of supreme health. Okay. So to have that lifestyle, I don't have to sit and go, ah, oh, yeah, am I going to go to McDonald's today? Yeah. Oh, yeah, doing that, right? You know, it's a light, it's already a lifestyle. So I'm not tempted by any drive-through. I'm not tempted to go get toxic food when I'm stressed because I've already have a lifestyle of supreme health. So the, the sooner you get the lifestyle goals, and then once you get the lifestyle goals, you can work on the finite goals, right? I want X by X, right? So for us, let's harken back. Lifestyle goal of happily ever after, finite goal of remarrying in a different state or country every year. And then my long-term, because again, you need long-term, short-term, right? My long-term is 100 marriages by my 100th birthday. So that's a long-term finite goal. I got short-term finite goals and I have a lifestyle goal. So I was just watching one of old Emmett Smith's old videos because he's a big goal-setting guy. And Emmett in high school was had a goal to be the number, the, the lead, you know, the number one all-time rusher in the NFL in high school, okay? And that was that early on goal. So Emmett didn't have to worry about, oh yeah, I don't wanna go smoke crack in the alley with my, with my friends. Well, no, that's not gonna help me be, you know, the greatest rushing running back ever. So the sooner we can put those in place, put the big things in first, then again, it goes back to John Wooden. When the opportunity comes to react or respond, you're already prepared. And you're already ready to just go, boom, okay, I already know what to do. Boom, I already know what to do. Boom, oh. My bride's upset. Okay, great. I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond versus what I normally do, which is what are you talking about? Well, if you do this and that, right? So there's, a, there's some help for you. So I, I think all of that is an incredible challenge for certainly for marriages and, and for us as individuals. How do we get to those lifestyle goals? So then we can work backwards to what do I need to do today? What do I need to do, you know, in the next hour, whatever it is. I think one of the challenges, and I, speaking from my perspective, um, my my wife and I are very different people. Oh, you don't say. Right? And and her lifestyle goals may not always match up to what my lifestyle goals are, if I could even identify them, right? So I think that would be one. If I was listening to this, I'd be like, well, yeah, cool, Evan. But it sounds like you and your wife are on the same page with that goal, right? And I, I'm guessing that it, it's not that simple, right? There was a process. No, no, it is. It is. It is. So, so, so yeah. So let me, that's a great, and I appreciate you telling on yourself and also telling on yourself <laughs> that you weren't listening. So that was great, right? Like, well, if I was <laughs> listening, you know, but I'm not because I'm multitasking and I'm working on my next guest and yeah, I'm coaching and oh yeah, we got this. I have an interview. No, I'm kidding. But I'm half kidding. Okay. So here's the thing that you need to understand in a marriage component, because that seems to be the, the theme here. So how many times John and Jamie... Don't, don't both answer at once, but raise your hand if you've heard this with friends, family, relatives, whatever. Gosh, you know, Mary and I, we just grew apart. <laughs> Have you heard that, right? Okay, the laptop, Absolutely. right? Okay, and to me, that's the biggest, duh, you know, or like we drifted apart, right? I don't know what happened, we just drifted apart. Well, here's a giant newsflash. There is a drift in all our relationships, a daily current that is pulling us apart. And it's called life. It's called kids. It's called work. 
It's called your job. It's called your business. It's called other people. It's called everything. Television. It's called pro football. It's called whatever, right? There is a drift pulling all of you listening, you and your spouse pulling you apart every day. Oh, there's no hope. What could I can do? Here's what you got to do. Pick up the paddle. Okay. You Minnesota guys, right? You understand this, you know, the lifestyle, right? How many times have you gone on a kayak or a canoe, right? And tried to stay next to somebody. You're like, Hey, let's go kayak. And you turn your head and right they're 10 miles that way. Like, what happened? Where'd they go? Right. Come back. Right. Or you've been on those lazy rivers, right? Like, okay, I'll sit on my little food, my little, you know, inflatable. You sit on your inflatable. We'll just float down the lazy river together. You turn your head, right? They're like, come back, right? The current takes them, right? So it's about understanding that every day you, John, I'm going to talk to you and I'm talking to me while I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it's about taking full responsibility. That's number one. And understanding, say, I have a responsibility to paddle. I have a responsibility to understand that my bride and I, when we got married, we did not magically become one boat. You know, I'm going to get married, jump on your boat. You know, I don't know if you have kids, but uh, Moana was a popular uh, movie. You know, the great classic, the whole movie, Moana is trying to yell and shame the god Maui. I, you know, Moana, you will get on my boat and you will take me here. And Moana's like, take a hike, right? And it wasn't until Moana took responsibility and said, oh, I'm just going to go do it on my own. And, you know, he came along, right? Because he just kept yelling and screaming at her. So it's understanding <laughs> that you're two separate boats. You always will be. But it's about how can we paddle and row together? And you just told on yourself, which I appreciate. I'm like, hey, we're not aligned. Hey, she's got different life goals and I got different lifestyle goals. Well, it's time you started paddling so you could get together and unified. And for me, like on the faith-based component, there's like those, I don't know what they're called, but there's things like if you want to keep your raft together or your canoe together, you can stick it on, right? And it'll latch them together, okay? But you still got to paddle because if you don't, it'll be like, and break it apart. So it's about intentionally, this is where it comes back to, intentional. Because we never see, very rarely do you ever see, let's use LeBron, right? Because the Lakers just won 17. Woohoo, all right, we're excited, Laker fans. This is the first year, by the way, that Laker fans have not lit in cars on fire to celebrate that we won a championship. So this is you, you're stirring. You, you count the Minneapolis championships as your own? <laughs> of course, man. It's the franchise, baby. It's the franchise. We inherited those. Let's come with it. Okay. Well, so. We in Minnesota don't have many championships to celebrate. So we want to hold on to those. Whenever <laughs> those are, no, no, those are ours, right? Those are, those apply to the Timberwolves. We'll just stick those over there. Right. Uh, but with 17 championships, right. But we, we don't ever watch LeBron working out. We don't ever watch LeBron training. We don't ever watch LeBron working on free throws. And it appears he still needs to do that, right? It's like, come on, man. Um, AD's got it, right? He's like 98% free throw shooter. But you never see them putting the work in, right? You always just see the end result. And you just assume, oh, he's gifted. He's amazing. He's a, you know, I'm, I'm here to portray that LeBron James is the most mentally tough NBA player in the history of the game. Because you look at Jordan. You guys watched the, um, the Last Dance, yeah. yep. right? Yeah. You heard Jordan saying, dude, after the first championship, I was done. I was mentally exhausted, mm -hmm. you know, and he made it to the third one. Then he just was like, I was too exhausted. I had to stop. You look at LeBron eight in a row, right? It's like, dude, that's mental toughness right there. And the physicality, look at the, uh, again, sports digression. I apologize for those non-sports people, but look at the, look at the Golden State Warriors, right? They went to what, four in a row, five in a row? And on the, was it four or five? It was four. five, right? Hmm. Four. They right, they won one, two. 
Oh, three out of five. Yeah, it was three out of five. Three out of five. Yeah. But on the fifth one, what happened to everybody by the fifth one? Got hurt. Everybody got hurt, right? Oh, so and so blew out his knee. Oh, so and so the other guy blew out his knee. Oh, so and so got hurt. Right? Everybody's hurt, and you know, you know, crutches on the sideline. Right? Who's been to eight in a row and are playing forty? You know, forty-three point nine minutes a game. Right? And that's because of what we don't see. LeBron doing the way he takes care of his body the way he trains the way he mentally prepares and so it's us being intentional going wow you don't just again we can all put it off well if I had LeBron's physique and I had LeBron's talent I could no there's a lot of guys that are more talented than LeBron but they're not willing to put in the intention and so I'm challenging the men out there that are listening to get intentional about your marriage instead of fantasy football and say hey what if I got out the paddle and started paddling next to my bride so we could be united and create this lifestyle goal that we're together on instead of, well, she's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing, you know, whatever. And I'll tell on myself and give a perfect example. So even at this state, so we're COVID, you know, things are funky, weird, whatever. So my bride was working on two big like art projects and we now have the this took about 10 years ago. I finally figured out we had two separate offices in the house. She was on the West wing. I was on the East wing. And I was like, this is stupid. You need to come in my office. I want you close to me next to me. So my bride is working on these big art projects and she had a deadline. She wanted to get it done. So she was out of pocket for like four weeks. And so for us and our family, after eight o'clock, we are done being parents. The parent button gets turned off. We push the kids away. We, we pray over them. We love them. We close the door. <laughs> and say, go away, because this is our time. So from like eight to 10, that's my bride's time. But she had these projects she had to get, get on. And so the only time really she had to do them was in that magic time. So I was like, okay, my bride's working on this. And I want to support her. And this was pre-football season. So there's, there's no sports. There's nothing for me to watch. So I'm just like, man, how many times am I going to watch The Last Dance, right? It was like, okay, I got it. So I'm in the room with her and I was like going on Netflix. I'm like, you know what? Let me check out one of these shows, right? I mean, I got all these episodes here. Let me, let me just check it out. And I got into the show and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. This is right up our bride's alley. It's kind of PG, you know, it's family friendly, but it's still cool. I'm involved. So I started watching, started watching, started, and I was telling her about it. But I'm like, oh, wait, she's got to let her finish the project. And, and I love you, the stuff. So I finished season one. And then I was like, you know what? I'm doing exactly what I'm preaching against because she's not watching what I'm watching. And I was like, Hmm. So I put pause and I stopped watching it and I went back to reading more books. And then when my bride's project was done, I said, Hey, let me show you what we're watching. So we are sitting down and watching those episodes together, even though I've already seen it. But I said, you know what? I would rather slow down, paddle my boat slower next to her so we could watch this show together because that drift is already right like i'm watching this i'm it's you know i was like no we need to be watching this together so rather than me saying hey i've worked hard i deserve my entertainment i do this it's like nope i need to put that aside and wait so we could paddle together and watch the same show at the same time so we are united and now she's like whacking me going how can you tell me about the show sooner this is amazing oh my gosh this is fabulous and so that's just a perfect example of like, hey, I'm not perfect. It's still the room for improvement. And it's like, even with COVID, how do we figure out how to paddle together so we're united? Because that drift seeps in everywhere, 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 everywhere. So again, it takes intentionality. It takes work. 
And again, there's only one LeBron James. I mean, how many great, amazing players that have great talent versus that actually produce? There's not that many. So my challenge to the men out there is instead of whining, instead of complaining, instead of, oh, yeah, let's go have another beer. Ah, I encourage you to have a marriage of greatness. And most people never even heard that term, right? They're always, oh, yeah, just whatever, you know. I was like, no. I'm, so the men out there, I challenge you to have a marriage of greatness. And there are plenty of examples of what that can be like. And yeah, you may have to put fantasy football aside. Yeah, you may have to. Like for me, I never watch live sports. I do not watch live sports because it takes too much time. So if I want to watch football, the game's recorded. So it's an hour, hour and a half max. I can just skip the commercials. Joop, 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 joop. So I have my time to watch. But again, it, again, I won't watch live sports. It just takes too much time away from that time with my bride and my kids. So I hope that helps. Well, it speaks to something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. Start with awareness, move towards action, right? Start with becoming aware of who you are and what things you struggle with, what things you want to do and where you're paddling. Like know where you are and then find out, you know, in this context for your marriage, for your relationship, where is the other person? then go close the distance between the two of you. Yes. Yes. And then it's, it's a never, it's again, this, this, again, mission driven guys, right? Like, okay, I did that done. So like, that's one of my favorites. One of our favorite love songs of all time is back at one by Brian McKnight. And that is the greatest anthem you can have in a successful marriage. Whenever I think my work is done, then I start back at one. There is no arrival. There is no, yep, I did it. We're good. We're paddling together. Because the second you stop paddling, the drift takes you apart. So it's that constant growth mindset of saying, hey, just like LeBron, right? You hear LeBron like, hey, today he's in the gym. He won't touch. He said after normal, like in a normal season, like he'll take a month off where he doesn't touch a basketball, but he is never not exercising, never not working out. And that's his lifestyle of like, hey, I'm constantly taking care of my body. Now the workout shift, right? Depending on what's going on. He may, again, put the basketball down. Like he doesn't touch a basketball for an entire month, but he doesn't stop exercising and working on his body. And it's the same with the marriage, the same with anything else. There's no arrival. There is no arrival point. There is this fallacy of I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to arrive. I'll never have to do that again. It's, it's the, the joys in the journey. The journey is in the joy. And it's this lifestyle of growth. And understanding, yeah, you're going to have these peak moments. Like, yeah, we're having this awesome connection. We made this peak moment. But as you guys know, you've climbed a mountain before. But the air on top of a peak is really thin. It's not sustainable. You can't live on the mountain peak. So you're going to have peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. And just understand it, a never-ending joyful journey rather than this, one day I'm going to get there. One day I'm going to figure this out. If I can just read the next book or get to the next seminar, then I'll figure this out. No, it's the lifestyle and uh, that's again all comes down like on your other show when you had the coach talking to preaching uh pete carroll principles now pete used to live in our neighborhood up here when he coached at usc and that's what happened what is pete 101 compete 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 uh, and it works in, in any level right of like how do we compete to be the best us versus wins and losses and all that stuff and it keeps you where you are when you focus on competition it keeps you where you are in terms of what do I need to work on today? Yes. And then it advances you to where you're going next. Like it's not, I don't know. I love this. I love this idea that it's a lifestyle because it doesn't end. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end. And, and joy is possible in all of it. Yes, 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 yes. So it's, it's really just nope. absorbing that. And again, but there's a lot of people that won't buy in that will, 
you know, again, we're the, the client. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of people that want to fight for their limitations. There's a lot of people that want to, you know, subscribe or they want to be loyal to their limitations, right? And that's what this show is all about is like breaking the mindset, breaking the paradigm saying, look, those aren't serving you. You know, if it's any, it doesn't matter anything, health, fitness, relationship, finances, if it's a, not a lifestyle, it's not going to happen. If but you got to think about it, it's too late. It's easier though. That's why. Exactly. Like, well, it's, no, it's not. It's not. It's harder. It's hard. When you have to think about it, it's hard. When it's natural and it's the flow, it's like, oh, what did I just do? Oh, how, well, I, whoa, wow, that was nice. Wow. It's when you have to think about it and you're like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Uh, that's hard. That's yeah. hard. You know, the classic, I learned this from a, I did a lot in the foster care system uh, early on in our marriage when my kids were younger. And I remember this young foster kid sharing this with me. And this is a kid whose both parents died. So he's in the foster care system. And he's telling me this, okay? The foster care kid whose both parents has died. He goes, you know what, Ev? Life is hard because we make it hard. <laughs> and I was like, isn't that the truth? Life is hard because we make it hard. Why? Because our limited paradigms, our limited mindsets, our limited everything. And a lot of it comes from the death scroll. A lot of it comes from we let into our minds what we want to believe, what, you know, are, again, all about our limitations. And so I tell that with my kids. If they fight for their limitations, my bride and I leave the room. We say, fight for your limitations, they're yours. We'll come back when you're ready to, to talk about it. But again, it's, it's breaking that paradigm, John. It's not hard. What's hard is, is how you're doing it right now. That's hard. So when you create that lifestyle and you create the flow, then it's like, oh yeah. Like you hear people all the time in the entrepreneur world, even the coaching world. Oh, I'm gonna get my grind on, man. It's time to grind. We're gonna grind. I heard Jamie, you, you, you shared this before of the lifestyle. With, with, with the show that you and John did a couple episodes ago. No, just, you know, how do you just keep going on and with the grind and yeah. I, I've got a lot of collectible cars. I'm a big car guy. The last thing I wanna do is grind any of my gears. <laughs> I don't wanna grind anything. I want to soar. I want to flow. I want to fly. So anybody, the G word is a cuss word in my house. We do not grind in our house. We flow, we soar, we fly. That's how you do it. So if you're in the, the coaching world, time to get your grind on. Heck no. Do I want to grind my bones? Do I want to grind my muscles? No, I want to flow. I want to be pliable. I want to be Tom Brady, TB12, right? It's how do you be pliable and flow versus the grind? Yeah. And that's a mindset shift for us even sometimes is to be able to think it can be easy. It doesn't have to be a challenge. It doesn't have to be a grind. It can right. be make up your mind, take action, take a step. Let's go. There you go. And one on the coaching side, look at what Pete Carroll did. He was the one who pioneered playing hip hop music at practices, right? To get out of this grind mode and into this flow mode. Like, hey, let's bring the DJ to the practice. Now everyone's doing it, right? Yep. Look, at, uh, look at the turnover chain, uh, you know, and the whole thing, right? Like, look at all that. Or look at what's trending now. I'm not a fan as a coach. It's like, ah. but you look at in the NFL, whenever there's a turnover, what does the defense do? They run down, take a picture, do the whole thing, right? I'm like, again, on a segue, I'm like, hey, if you, if you do a pick six, you can do that. But just the turnover, don't, don't. <laughs> we're, we're not going to worry about it. We need to get results here. Uh, you can be happy for the turnover, but you can take your picture once we score. So, uh, but again, it's just that mindset, right? Like Pete Carroll going, hey, 
Uh, and that harkens back to um, who's the great Washington Redskins coach, NASCAR driver. I can see Joe his, Gibbs. Uh, Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs. Joe was a perfect. He goes, man, I got these amazing, talented players that love to play, but they hate to practice. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so how do we create it from a grind to a flow? Well, hey, let's get a DJ. Let's play some hip hop music. Let's be like, yeah, I like going to practice. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, paradigms, mindset. It, it's the the only challenge. Again. Life is hard, coaching is hard, marriage is hard, whatever's hard, because we make it hard. That's the bottom line. I love it. Um, I think we could talk for days, to be honest, because you challenge us, and that's what we look for in this podcast, is people that are going to grow us and push us and shape us through the challenge of finding joy and flow and excitement. Yes. So I thank you for doing that. Number one, number two, thank you for being on and giving that message to the people that we connect with. And uh, uh, thank you for your work just period. Cause it, it's inspiring and um, I don't know, grateful for you and for being on with us today. No, again, the joy is mine. Cause this is again, part of the blessing that I get to do is cause again, I may be talking to you and challenging you guys, but I'm really looking at my reflection. I'm talking to me. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, dude, here's how you need to work. Yeah. You can tell them, but I'm always talking to me. So as, cool as it true. was to share, it was really just a reminder of all the areas I can improve. So I appreciate you guys and appreciate your knowing that you guys are going to carry this forward and it's not falling on deaf ears. So uh, kudos to you guys. I can't count the number of challenges personally from that conversation with Evan that struck me, that made me think about my own personal life, whether it would be my marriage, my health, my own lifestyle goals. He talked about getting on the same page. The sooner you get there, the sooner that you can paddle together toward that thing. I admitted in, in the episode where there's times where my wife and I differ on what our lifestyle goals are. So the challenge for me is to figure that out with her. How do I start to paddle in the same direction? How do we have those conversations to solidify those things? And what distracts me from having those conversations? I think one of the things he said early on that really stuck with me, and then I'm going to give to you as listeners as a challenge is, how do we ask ourselves the question and about what do we ask ourselves the question or the statement of, I refuse to live this way, fill in the blank. For me, it's fear, fear of the unknown, fear of being inadequate in that life goal. But all of those things he talked to off air when we were talking to him, he, he shared this thing with us that said, Fear is conquered by action or something along those lines. Take action. It doesn't matter how, just do. So the challenge for you today is what's an area of your life, whether it be in your lifestyle goal, whether it be individually, in your marriage, in your friendships, that you're going to say, I'm going to refuse to live this way. I'm going to stop living this way. And this is the action I'm going to take. This is the step. And as always... Live eyes up.